You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to podcast episode number 34 for Monday the 24th of October 2016. My guest today is Selena Grace, a full-time indie author, top 100 UK Amazon bestseller and the host of the Indie Author School. Selena is UK-based and wrote her first book, The Blue Ruby, at age seven. She experimented with screenplays, scripts and short stories and then had a very long and frustrating journey trying to get traditionally published. This was in spite of achieving third place in the 2004 Lit Idol competition, being shortlisted for the 2006 Crime Writers Association Debut Dagger Award and longlisted in the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award. So Selena decided to go it alone with indie publishing and despite making only £10 in her first month of self-publishing, Everything changed for her in an incredible way when she made that simple decision. She's now a full-time indie author and, as I mentioned earlier, a top 100 UK Amazon bestseller. Quite an achievement. When I spoke to Selena, I began by asking her how challenging she'd found her traditional publishing experiences. Lord, um, yes. Well, I tried. I mean, you can see when you go onto my website, I have a little... um, I have a little page about my my publishing journey and uh, I tried for years to get published traditionally um, because, you know, when I when when I was trying it, that was the only way to get published unless you went to a vanity publisher. Um, and, uh, I, you know, you know, I'd write my books and then I'd send them off to the agents. You know, you didn't you couldn't approach publishers directly. Um, and then they'd they'd read them and occasionally they'd ask for the full manuscript and then you'd you'd send it off and then you'd wait some more. And anyway, I did actually finally um, get an agent, um, quite a, quite a big name agent. Um, And then for about the next two years, uh, I worked on a book, the book that she liked. And, um, and she did, I think she did send it off to Penguin or something like that. They didn't want it. Um, But it's just the glacial process um and i think it's still the same i haven't actually submitted traditionally for a long time now but i'm i can't imagine that it's changed that much um so that's why the the speed of self-publishing is just such a refreshing change reading your story on your website made me shed a little tear because (laughs) you really have been very very persistent most Mm. people would have given up wouldn't they yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's the secret to success, actually, just too, too uh, stubborn to, to give up, basically. Um, but then, you know, you, you, ha- you have validation at, at points. Um, you know, people say they like, you know, they, they like what you read and uh, sorry, like what you write. And and, uh, you know, you always get these little crumbs of encouragement um, or maybe I'm just a really stubborn person. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then you see so you had some success you had the 2004 lit idol competition mm. and and i'm very jealous you got the 2006 crime writers association debut dagger award that's a real good one yeah, well, oh, no, so you were long i, I you got shortlisted, shortlisted. i didn't Beg actually win it um i think i was down to the last three um but um but yeah again that was like that was that was validation but again it didn't get me it didn't get me published um 
so uh so it was basically i think it was about 2012 2011 2012 i started reading um about amanda hocking and um people who were starting you know kindle publishing and and things um but it, it did take me quite a long time to 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 give up the idea of being traditionally published um in fact i think when i first started i was actually going to publish under a pen name because i didn't want to jeopardize uh getting a traditional contract um and now of course you know it's completely the other the other way around so it's funny how things work out really the other thing, yes, I was guessing my shortlists and my longlists uh, mixed up because you were longlisted in the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award. You know, these are, yeah. these are quite some accolades, aren't they? You know, you're, yeah. you're obviously not wasting your time, are you? No, well, I, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just, I haven't actually entered some comp- competitions lately. Perhaps I should, but uh, yeah, again, that was, um, I suppose, a little flag along the way that, oh, maybe I'm not wasting my time and uh, maybe maybe I can do this. And of course, the, the great thing about self-publishing is that you you cut out the middleman and you go straight to the readers and they will tell you whether in that's in reviews or, or emails to you directly or on social media, what they think of your work. Um, so so you get that you get that feedback um, more immediately than you would, I think, traditionally published published. Now, I wrote my first book. Mr. Plum and Mr. Apple at the age of nine. <laughs> you wrote your first book, The Blue Ruby, at age seven. Do you still have it tucked away in the locker? I, I, I wish I did. I, I'm sure I do somewhere, you know, up in the attic or something. I would love to get it and read it. And uh, and say, I still remember the story. Yeah, so I was, I've always been a writer. Um, yeah, that's something I've always done and think I will always do. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that when you wrote that first story, it was probably pen and paper and an exercise book, or a, as mine was, a Basildon Bond pad bought from the yep. local shop. How has your writing process changed over the years? Because you have been at it a long time in a lot of different formats. Yeah, you? yeah. Well, um, the, now I um, I write on, I just write on Word um, on my laptop. Um, I do text notes and uh, and I have got, um, there's a, there's a, software uh writing software called scrivener which um, people might have heard of i do have it um but as is usual i have it on my <laughs> computer and every so often think i really must learn how to use that and uh, and then carry on just doing what i do normally so um so yeah i just write um obviously i've got two small children and i write when they're not with me uh, they're at school um, which at the moment is, is quite short hours. So, uh, yeah, it's quite um, quite pressured at the moment. I must recommend Scrivener to you. I do use do this. And, yeah. and I, I, yes, and I started with Word, and I, I just love it. I think when you've gone through the pain barrier, there's always a pain barrier with technology. Uh, yes. It's not a high one, but when you've gone through it, I really recommend it. It's really nice yeah, to write. I really it. must get around to doing it. And, you know, that, that has to be one of my next next month goals i think <laughs> <laughs> on the to-do list yeah. now another thing i loved when i was reading i do think your uh, bios by the way are excellent on your on your two sites oh, on you. your own sites they're really uh, interesting and they really uh, convey uh, the pain but the positivity mm. of your journey i think <laughs> and what i love to write uh, what i love to read about people who've had some success is you admit that your first uh, month in indie publishing you made about a tenner <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is probably a lot of people's experiences. And because this podcast is called Self-Publishing Journeys, you know, I really want to dig into how we got from a tenor, which is what a lot of people listening to this will be experiencing, mm. to being a top 100 UK Amazon bestseller, because that's, you know, that's a lovely little journey, and I want to dig into how you achieved that. Sure. 
Um, <clears throat> I, um, I started off with two um, standalone psychological thrillers, which I'd already, and in fact, one of them was the one that went to the agent. Um, and then I had I had the idea, um, I'd had it for a while, of doing a, a series, um, a police procedural, um, a crime series about a female detective. Um, and I would say that if people want to make a living at this, then writing, seri writing a series is probably a best bet. Um, just because if people like the first book and there's more books, they will buy the others. Um, and, you know, the more books that you have the more the more sales you will make um so anyway so i, I wrote the first um the first book in the kate redmond series hushabye uh and then i wrote two my yes i think i had three um and you know i was making i wasn't making a huge amount of money i wasn't making a living but it was um it was increasing i suppose and then when i had three books um i i made the first one what we call perma-free, permanently free. Um, so across on Amazon and on iBooks and um, Kobo and, and wherever, it's permanently free. You can download it for nothing at any time. Um, and that, coupled with uh, a book bub ad, um, just kind of skyrocketed my sales, really. I think it was a bit of a perfect storm of, um, of having three books out and a very successful book by bad and um and it kind of went on from there really and then from then on i was making full-time living uh and i left my day job i think six months after that um and i've been writing full-time ever since basically when you look at your amazon author page your kate redmond mystery series mm. they look fantastic they're all lined up there the branding is very strong you could, they're completely consistent about where your name is and where the title is mm. they're all short titles how how important is that I, i'm going to say i'm going to use the words corporate look but i mean branding i guess yeah. is what i mean Pretty, uh, very important i think um you know you you want someone to be able to say oh that's selena grace book um and uh, and even across because i've got some other series as well um which actually are a slightly different genre they're historical mysteries but even then they're still branded so people can see my name and 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 see it yes i think it's i think it's very important and the other thing you're doing is box sets how do they work for you yeah again you know it's um i think when you're approaching this like a business you have to think of your books as assets and uh, the more products that you have the better um and so, yes, I just bundle, I think I, bun I bundle them into threes. So you can, you can have, you know, book one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. Um, and um, and people, the readers, it's a good deal for readers because they get them at a lower price than buying them all individually. Um, so it works, works all around, really. What about that book bub? Because I, I've, had a, I've had one punt at a book bub. Mm. And I know they're notoriously difficult mm. to get. What would be your advice about that you know do we need a certain number of reviews before we get a book bug what, what kind what's the magic formula um yeah i've been quite successful in getting them i think unfairly uh once you've had one successful book bub they're more likely to take you which is kind of means you're a bit bit of a rock and a hard place when you haven't got one um but equally i think um they really like free books they're much more likely to take you if you can offer a free book and if you have a free book make sure you have other books because there's no point having a free book if it's the only book that you have it's not it's wasted money um you need something for your readers to to, to buy um yeah good good reviews again we can talk about my reader team which is where i get a lot of my reviews now um 
and uh and, and actually on the bookbub site they have a lot of very good um they have a frequently asked questions site that shows you how you can how you can um you know maximize your chances of of getting one but the other thing i would say is also just keep applying you know they turn me down you know four times out of five but then they pick me up on the fifth so just keep just keep applying and a bit more of that persistence by the sounds of it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah just don't give up yeah (laughs) i'm very interested looking at your pricing on amazon Mm. because and i don't mean to be rude about this but it's all over the place in that i've got you know i've got one at 364 one at 399 one at 299 is that you setting those prices or is there strategy in that no and and actually that is something i need to address but unfortunately when you have um books across all all sites like on ibooks and google play um amazon will price match to whatever they they set the prices and because you've got different difference in currency fluctuations and things like that yes it it it, um it does end up a bit random but um you know because obviously we've got the vat vat issue here and google play notorious for discounting and yes it it can end up a bit of a mess but um as long as you have a sort of vague (laughs) pricing strategy i think that can work how are you getting on with Google Play? Because you're one of the lucky ones who managed to sneak I in did. before it closed. Yeah, I did. Um, I have to say, it's always at the back of my my list. Um, I kind of I do re- remember to put books up there, um, but it's certainly it's certainly probably the least least successful platform for me. But that could be because I don't really do much with it. Um, it's certainly when when they open it up again, as I'm sure they will. It would certainly if you if you're going to have have a wide um, you know publishing platform then i would definitely go for it but uh, i have to say amazon is still like the biggest the biggest earner as i think it probably is for most people absolutely yes and and um you're matching your kindle versions with paperback versions are you doing those through create space yes yes i am yeah yeah so uh again it's you know another another product another asset and um you know a lot of people still prefer to read on on paper which is fair enough would you say you're making more of your sales electronically? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'd say it's probably 80, 80 20. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that different. That is quite a difference. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and also, of course, Kindle is more profitable, isn't it? Because it's just, it doesn't even exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, the, um, the profit margin on the paperbacks is pretty slim. But still, it's, you know, it's nice. Authors talk about having a vanity shelf. It's quite nice to actually see your books in physical form. Um, and obviously you can give them as gifts and, and I send them to my readers occasionally as well. Do you aspire to the bookshop thing? Having having spent so many years, you know, wanting that traditional mm. contract, do you get your books into shops? Um, it is something I consider from time to time, but it's not really it's not really a focus for me. Um, I'm quite happy with how things are um, selling online. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something that might, I might look into in the future, but it's not high priority. It's very hard to squeeze a profit out of it. I mm, can tell you that because yes. I tried it. I tried it and rejected it, actually. Right. Um, you have to price them so low for the retailers uh, and you have to do sale or return. It's, it's you know, as a, as a punt. It. Yeah. It's just not worth mm. it. Yeah. So I've given up on that one. Yeah. <laughs> don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's like pennies profit in it, uh, you know, and you've got the exposure of having them on sale or return, yeah. which as a small business, which is what we generally are, yeah. um, or small to mediums, depending on how you're doing, it's a bit of a exposure isn't it I yeah think. that's right that's right 
So I'm, I'm loving the look of your books. I want to know how you go about getting that quality with the covers. So you, you must be paying a little bit for your covers, I'm assuming. Yeah, I've had the um, the same cover designer since I started, basically. And he was a recommendation from another indie author who I think you're actually having on the podcast too, Joanna Phillips. Um, oh, yes, yeah, yes. so Chris Howard's my... Um, my cover design he's done all my covers and uh he's just really really good i mean it, it started off um you know i i would i would find the image and and he would do something with it now i just say here's what the book's about here's the themes <laughs> go for your life and uh he just comes up with something brilliant every time so i'm very happy mm, the branding's very strong there what, what about things like um you know edits proofreads and all the other bits formats and things like that how, how much sure. of that do you do yourself how much do you get done uh, I well obviously I self edit but yeah I always use um I always use a, an extra editor um sometimes an extra proofreader um but I also have my reader team so they they, they don't have to but they do they get a um, a review copy and a lot of them are, are fantastic proofreaders and they email me back with all the mistakes that I've made and uh, it's like having you know 800 fresh eyes on your manuscript so um, but, you know, I don't ask them to do it. Uh, it's not something, you know, it's not something that I request, but they do do it. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I have editor, proofreader, reader team, and then I have a print formatter. Um, and I'm just starting. I used to do my own ebook formatting, but now, again, it's time better spent that I could be writing. Um, so basically, I'm now outsourcing almost everything that I can. And this reader team, how do you how do you build a reader team? You know, who are they? Where did they come from? Sure. Um, well, the, the the easiest way is at the end of your book, or even at the beginning. Um, so the, directly after you type the end, the next page, um, I I say, have you enjoyed this book? Um, could you leave me a review? You know, uh, slightly phrase slightly better than that but uh, and then i you know if you would prefer if you would like to join my reader team and get a free advanced review copies then sign up here um so make sure you have an e um, a mailing list for that and uh and people do yeah they um i've got a, a thousand reader on my reader team at the moment wow. yeah and it, it grows every day because you know people like they like being involved they like getting free books so uh, it's win-win really Okay, so let, let, let me just dig into that a little mm. bit, because a thousand is a lot of people to be, um, they're getting the book for free. Yeah. Is there anybody <laughs> left, you know, it's, for some of us, it feels like there's no one left to sell to then. If, if, <laughs> I did yeah. think that when I first started, um, obviously I didn't have very many, and I'm like, oh, am I, am I doing myself out of sales? Um, but I, I genuinely have found that, uh, I mean, half the time, even though they've had the review copy, they will buy the book when it comes out for sale, whether that's through because they're very nice people or they, they want a proper print copy or the, you know, solidarity, or they want to see how they they've improved it. Um, so I don't find impacts on sales. In fact, I find it, it, it does the opposite very much. So. And presumably when you're releasing these books, because I, I you know, you've got an extraordinary number of reviews mm -hmm. on your books. Presumably this is what's fueling those reviews. Well, well um, they, they, yes. I mean, certainly the newer ones um, since I've had the team, as soon as it's published, they, um, you know, I send them an email and say, just it's published. If you could give me an honest review, obviously I don't ask for positive reviews. That's, that's really ethically wrong. Um, I genuinely, if they like it, great. If they don't, that's fine too. So, um, so yeah, so it's published. I generally, generally, um, they, they, they post one there and then. So it's really, it's really handy. It's really great. 
Can I just ask you a little te a little technical question about that? Because when you when you go through the buying process on Amazon, you're marked as a verified purchaser. Yeah. I've always wondered with um, you know a, a street team or a review team, yeah. how then we get over that verified purchase. If you're sending them a, a file that yeah. isn't yet on Amazon, how do we get around that? Well, um, you can still post reviews um, without it being verified. Um, but also, I do I mention that in the email that I send out, um, and if they want to buy the book, they do. I haven't found it a big problem, to be honest. Um, you know, as long as you adhere to Amazon's terms and conditions. So if they if they are a reviewer for you, they have to say, um, you know, I, I received a, a advanced copy for my for my honest review. So, you know, so you have to be all above board and, and legal. And in spite of your um, overwhelmingly positive reviews, you know, like every single author, there's always the blooming one stars down oh, there. Oh, God, yeah. Having, <laughs> having a good old gripe and a moan about everything. Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> How do you deal with that? Oh, I would, you know, I'd love to say I don't read them, but I do. Um, you know, I, it's it's very hard not to. Um, but, you know, it's, reviews, are, they're people's opinions. You know, people are allowed their opinions. That's It's not written in fire on the sky it's just one person's opinion and you know sometimes i don't find the one stars hurt it's the two stars because often they're quite critical in a in a in a positive way um you know they, those are the ones that sting the most i think yes i mean i often find often people just say oh, it was rubbish yeah. or something, you know something something ridiculous like that which you could easily discount it's when you yeah. get a well-written yeah well-crafted <laughs> well articulate one that's when you're gonna worry absolutely. isn't it absolutely i mean i get i get quite a few um one stars in america because one of my um detectives is gay and uh, obviously i get quite a lot of people who who don't approve of of that um those are easy to discount um, but it's the ones, yes, that say, oh, this, this far too, far too many coincidences or, or this, that and the other that you, you think, hmm, they might have a point there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You just take it on the chin and learn from it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's why I think you should should read your reviews because it can make you a better writer. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we talked about BookBub. Do you use anything like are you using any kind of other ads like Twitter ads or are you finding any other um promo sites working for yeah, you yeah i tend to um I've, I've got a lot more um professional about advertising and i try to do something monthly um obviously not always bookbub but um i probably get a bookbub every three months or so but then i'd use free or robin reads or, or, or the smaller pro promo sites that are actually quite effective um i don't use facebook ads mainly because again <laughs> i have a course mark dawson's facebook course facebook ads course which sits on my computer until i get around to actually doing something about it um, but i know some people have had great success with facebook ads um and twitter ads as well it's just not something that i feel the need to do at the moment well can i let you into a secret i've just done mark dawson's course, oh right yeah and i'm literally just implementing it and i've added about 50 leads in the last day oh there you go uh, oh, yeah it's it. very and good there... course and quite cheaply too yes the 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 twitter i got a tweak i got to go back to look at the video because they're costing me a little bit too much right but the uh the, the facebook lead ads um uh which is pretty well what mark's recommending that you do is is quite extraordinary actually i'm telling a lie it's 61 61 on one book and 18 on the other um yeah. uh, you know in the last couple of days it's working really well actually very quickly so um right. yeah no again that's got to go on the to-do list <laughs> <laughs> Track that course open. yeah i'm gonna be very busy in the next couple of months
Yeah, it's very interesting. Now, you but you are building a list because you, you've already mentioned that. How, how are you? Um, how are you doing that? Um, and what are you using to build your list? It's actually, yeah, my my main mailing list. Um, it's about four thousand people at the moment. That's purely organic. So um, there's no ads or anything like that. It's it's a request at the end of the book, um, and occasionally on social media and that's it so you know if people want more they can go to my website and download some free books and they get added to my mailing list and um yeah so the thing is with using with using an organic building a list organically is that you know that they are people who are genuinely interested in your in your books so it's it's quite a responsive list um i'm not sure whether whether ads would work quite as well but i don't know i'll have to find out it's an interesting point because what uh, these are is freebie seekers, of course. Yeah. They're yeah. they're after a freebie, and I don't know about you, but I tend to find uh, freebie seekers tend to give lower reviews mm. than people who buy. They're less uh, um, invested in the yeah. process, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think you you can be damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, I guess uh, I suppose it's just if you know whenever I have a, a free book on a book bub ad, um, I know I'm you know I'm braced for the for the rash of one stars that that come because uh, <laughs> it's inevitable. You know, it's just something you you take on the chin really. You have been um, very prolific as a writer. You've got, mm. you know, you, as you say, you've got a, you know, a couple of series there, and they're all lined up on your Amazon author page. It's amazing uh, to look at. Uh, how long does it take you to turn around a book, and what does that process involve for you? I've, um, I've got it down to a fine art now, actually. And of course, with writing a series with the same characters, um, you know, you, you're not world building every time. You know, you know what the, the location, you know, the characters and how they might react. So it's just the plot you have to come up with and I'm, I'm lucky I, I never sort of run out of plots um but uh, I can I can I can <laughs> if I put my mind to it um write a book in about six seven weeks um at the moment it's probably going to be a little bit longer than that with with general life stuff going on um but yeah it's uh, it does help as well I, I write quite short books especially in the mystery genre they're quite short they're about 50 60 thousand words um but you know people seem to like them so and so from beginning to end, having gone through the editing process, yeah. uh, are, you, are you a bit like a sausage factory with this? Exactly. But, but does it, do, you, do you start to write the next one while you're editing the previous one? How, how does it work for you? I tend to, yeah, I write, um, write it, self-edit it. It then goes off to my editor. Um, and then while she's working on it, I do tend to start the next one or at least try to outline or plot because I've always got um, I've always got lots of ideas about what I want to write next, and uh, yeah. So as soon as it's off my hands and in and being edited, I, I do start the next one. Yeah, I try. I try and I always say, right, I'm going to have a break now. <laughs> I never <laughs> do. <laughs> I, t I have about three days, and then I start getting itchy writing fingers again, and have to start. Now you, interestingly, are an excellent example of an authorpreneur mm. in that you've got this sausage factory going with the books uh write publish repeat as the phrase yeah, goes yeah. uh you're doing that but also you've got the indie author school so you're also teaching other people how to do it can you can you just explain what the indie author school is for people who haven't encountered it yet? sure yeah it's just it's a very pretty new project for me actually um but i was getting a lot of re requests from readers or or just like how do i start 
I want to publish, what do I do? Um, and, uh, and so I just decided, I thought, well, you know, I, I have such a lovely life and I'm so, so happy um, working creatively. It would be great if other people could do that too. Um, so, yep, yeah, so I'm in um, indie author school, which is just basically for people at the very start of their writing journey. Um, and if you go, go to the site, it's uh, literally as it sounds, indieauthorschool.com um, you can sign up to the mailing list and you get a lot of um, free information about how to start writing um, how to plot your novel how to uh, how to publish um, yeah and so it's it's hopefully something that I'm going to um, have a few online courses for as well uh, so it's just it's nice to have that sort of non-fiction side of it as well as the fiction side of it it appeals to me creatively in two different ways I've just spotted your free book, Beautiful Blurbs, which I've just registered for because uh, blurbs are a killer oh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, they're a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, they're an absolute nightmare. But, um, yeah. but having written so many of them now, I've kind of, kind of oh, well, I hope, got it down to a fine art. So, uh, and, you know, once, once you know how to do it, it does get a lot easier, like so many things in life. In terms of your time, then, the way that you spend your time, how, how much are you devoting to indie author school and how much to actually writing your fiction? Right. Oh, well, then the first thing the first thing I have to do is always do my words. So the fiction comes first. Um, once that's done, um, I try and do 2000 words a day. Uh, once that's done, then I can move on and, and deal with indie author school. So I think going forward in the future, um, I keep saying this after the after the next book um I might concentrate a bit more on indie, on indie author school um but then knowing me I probably won't <laughs> I'll probably <laughs> just go straight back and start writing the next one because I well, just, yeah first and foremost just, I'm a fiction writer just, just remember you still got Mark Dawson's course oh, to do God, as well yeah, so. it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can squeeze those in as well um how, how long do those 2k words a day uh, take you uh actually I'm a pretty quick it's it's I think um, if you want to write uh, quickly, the first thing you should do is learn to type. Um, it sounds silly, but, you know, I can I can do a thousand words in 20 minutes. Um, as long as I'm, I find also knowing what I'm going to the, the scene, I can't sit down blank. Um, if I know, at least know where the scene's going to go, um, then I can get straight into it. So really, the actual writing, writing part probably only takes me an hour, hour and a half a day. Brilliant. And, and do you, are you one of these get up early people? Or, no. <laughs> uh, after, the, after the kids have gone off, is it? After the kids have gone off, yeah. I'm not a morning person. When I was working full time, uh, I did try that for a while because, you know, I heard that it was it was it was the good thing to do. So I think that lasted a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Now, once the boys are off my hands, then uh, then I go back, sit down and then and then I'm in work mode. And you get that done, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty good, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just doing the, the calculations. Do you do you work at weekends or do you take weekends no, off? No, I take weekends off, yeah. So uh, I, I work normal working hours, I suppose, school hours. Um, and then, But obviously at weekends, things like answering reader emails, I do every day. Um, and, uh, you know, I might do some social media and, and things like that. But actual writing, writing, no, I have to be um, alone and quiet. So at the weekends, that just doesn't happen. But at the level you're working at, how how long is it going to be until you have to to out, actually outsource a lot of this stuff? Not long. In fact, um, in fact, th this summer has shown me that I, I desperately need a virtual assistant. Um, I did have one for a while, um, and then that kind of fell by the wayside. But uh, it's yeah, it's it's getting to the point where where my time 
I know how to best productively spend my time and it's not dealing with all the admin, it's not dealing with all the minutiae, it's actually creating um, words or products or things like that. So that's something, again, to-do list. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quite an important part, though, of the authorpreneurial mindset because, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at this stage at the moment, I'm doing all these ridiculous clerical tasks that, frankly, yeah. I could pay someone else to do. Yeah. And my highest level task is being creative and turn, churning the stuff out. Yeah. That's the stuff that pays better, isn't yeah, it? So um, do, do you struggle with that, with that sort of delegation, or does it come easily to you? I think half the time is when you're so busy you don't have the time to train someone else to do it. But I think at some point you just have to bite the bullet and, uh, and, and do it. Um, I don't find it hard to delegate. In fact, I've, I've certainly in the fiction, I've started to do that more and more and more. Um, so I just have to learn to do it in the non nonfiction side as well. It's a, it's a work in progress, I suppose. I've just been listening to a podcast today, interestingly, about, um, you know, systemizing what you were saying was that, you know, it takes time to sit down and actually tell somebody else, train them yeah. as to what you do. And I've been actually listening to a podcast on that this morning before we spoke, and they were recommending uh, using Trello. And the one I hadn't heard of, and I'll, I'll just, this is something else for you to look at, by the way, on your list. Yeah. Um, process.st. I've never heard of that. Oh, okay. The uh, main extended. Process streets. Process dot st mm-hmm. um and i had a quick look at that and i thought oh i like this it's all about you know step one step two step three step four yeah um to, to pass that over to a va or somebody who doesn't know what you do so that they can just tick it off so um i'm going to look at those two things i think with a view to systemizing everything sure. um so uh, it just might help yeah, you that's that's i do help. use trello actually um i find it very very handy uh um, in fact, I'm, I'm just starting to use it to see if I can plot out a novel using it. Um, so I'll be exploring that. I'll probably write a blog post about it if uh, if I manage to get it to work. Um, but yeah, I'll certainly look at the other one too. And I'll mention something else then if you're plotting. So, and I'm, I'm mentioning this to you obviously for listeners too to for them to to, to look at it. One of my favourite plotting software, something called the Novel Factory. Right. The novel yeah. Factory, which I absolutely love. Um, because it lets you put your characters in, your locations, you know, all your scenes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I use that with Scrivener, just just interestingly. But mm-hmm. um, uh, it's well worth a check out if you're looking at something for plotting. Um, you might not have heard of it. It's a UK-based software, um, but I, I just I fell in love with it. Oh, I took the trial, okay. seven-day free trial, and I just bought it because I loved it immediately. So Okay, yeah, um, I'll definitely have a look at that. Again, you know, it's all about how you wired and how you work and whether it suits you and yeah. things. But uh, yes, if you are looking at something, you know, to plot, uh, I just have a look at it, see if you like it. Okay. But, um... Yeah, I will do. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. So, so, so you're really, really busy, and you have been really busy. Now, I wonder, with with all this success that you've had, mm-hmm. does a, a little part of you still hanker for that traditional deal? If 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 a traditional publisher came knocking on the door, would you rush towards them, or would you look carefully at the small print? I would. Now, genuinely, I would look very carefully. I think they would have to offer me life-changing amounts of money for me to consider it. Um, wow. I just there's so much there's so much about indie publishing that I love. I love the I love the creative control. I love the speed. I love the fact that you can just connect with readers. I don't I don't actually genuinely see, apart from getting into bookshops, what a traditional deal would do for me. Um, I do actually have an agent that that's that's dealing with my foreign rights and film and TV rights. So I would certainly be a lot more interested, I think, in, in that rather than a traditional deal. 
Uh, yeah, actually, I'm pleased you mentioned foreign rights. I did want to just mm. ask you about that. How, how does that come about? Did you, did you instigate that? Or does somebody come to you for that? No, um, actually, it was through the, the Alliance of Independent um, Authors, Ali, which is mm -hmm. the, um, you know, if, if anyone's interested, they have a great website and uh, they're kind of like a pressure group, I suppose, for indie authors. Um, and they were they have a um, an agency that, that partners with them to deal with that and um yes i, I submitted and uh, and they they took me on so uh, it's early days yeah but we'll yeah it's quite interesting we'll see what happens that's fantastic so um you've got mark dawson's course and you've got all these other things of course <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of writing mm -hmm. what's immediately on your to-do list then what's coming next sure. Well, I'm halfway through the 10th Kate Redmond novel, which is called Pulse. It's already on pre-order um, at, um, at Amazon and, and the other sites. So, uh, yeah, so I've got to get that out by the end of October. Um, so, yep, that's that's what I'm working on. After that, it will probably be, uh, again, I'll say I'll, I'll concentrate on indie author school, but uh, um, I've got another, uh, the third in my historical mystery series to write as well. So, yeah, certainly a lot of things coming up. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Where are the best places to find out about you online? Uh, you can find me at my author website, which is selinagrace.com, and you can find me on uh, indieauthorschool.com and also on social media. I'm Selena Grace and Indie Author School, so you can find me on there. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week. <laughs>